From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Fresh Connell, it's Tuesday, November 14, 2023. A fresh new podcast. Welcoming our uh, online listeners at Q90FM.com, Q90FM.com slash listen. Mary Danielson is back at the studio. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Uh, beautiful fall day in the upper Midwest. We're going to have a couple of those before it tanks, but we're almost to Thanksgiving already, which is kind of amazing to me that next week is Thanksgiving. Time is just continuing to uh, to just fly by like a freight train. My guest today is Pastor Claude Stoffer of Calvary Chapel of Hope in Amityville, New York. I really enjoy having a pastoral perspective day here on Stand Up because um, a seasoned pastor, they just have a wealth of experiences, a hard-won wisdom and depth in God's Word, and I love seeing where God has placed them in the body of Christ. So we're going to hear from Pastor Claude uh, shortly here. But first, uh, my scripture passage for the day. This one's maybe a couple verses longer, but it's just a great uh, section of God's Word. 1 Corinthians 1, 18-25, and it says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness of, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. What a great passage of scripture. Uh, would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we come before you in gratitude for the simplicity of the gospel and how you take the foolish things of this world and all of its futility and bring it to nothing. But Lord, we thank you for the cross and all it represents to us as those who were formerly under the sway of this world. Uh, Lord Jesus, words fall short. And so we ask that you continue to remind us of your unmerited favor in our lives. We pray for anyone who might hear this who does not know you, uh, that your Holy Spirit would fall on them in a powerful way. And I lift up our guest, Pastor Claude, to you, his family, his fellowship. Thank you for his labors, for you and your faithfulness to do a wonderful work there in New York. We ask for good health and protection for him and his loved ones, that he would finish well and with joy in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning on Stand Up, like I said, I'm chatting with Pastor Claude Stoffer. Uh, he gave his life to Christ in 1977. He's been in ministry since 1986, presently serving as senior pastor of Calvary Chapel of Hope in Amityville, New York, a church he has served since its founding in 1993. He's also a chaplain on the New York State Chaplaincy Task Force, and he teaches at Calvary Chapel Bible College in New York City. He served as a social worker for 16 years as well as pastoring. And in his spare time, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, he has written 21 books, and many are studies in books of the Bible, including inductive courses. His Living Hope radio program airs his teachings, which can be found on calvarychapelofhope.org. 
If you're in New York, WGSS 89.3 FM, husband, father, grandfather, all-around busy person, Pastor Klotz, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Oh, it's so good to, uh, it's such a pleasure and an honor to uh, to be on the program with you, Mary, and I uh, look forward to our conversation today. Great. It's just wonderful to have you on here. Uh, you have covered, uh, written about so many books of the Bible uh, maybe I should ask you which books you haven't written in depth about, but I see First Peter and Galatians and Philippians and Colossians, Judges, First Thessalonians, First, Second, Third John, Romans, Timothy, Corinthians, Daniel, and a book that we're going to look at today, Compelled to Share the Gospel, Why You Should Share the Gospel and How to Do It. What a great subject for these times that we're living in. Now, that's not an exhaustive list of your books, uh, but do you have a favorite or one you think is really timely right now or one that you still wish to write? Well, um, what I can tell you is uh, usually my favorite is portion of Scripture, the Scripture I'm teaching in at the moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, right now, I'm, uh, we're fin- at the church, we teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book through the Bible, and the portion of Scripture we're in now is the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be finishing that up in a few weeks, and then I will... I will Put that in a book form. Okay. I, I, when I prepare my messages, I, I write them out in manuscript form so that when I'm when I'm done teaching the book, you know, with some editing, um, I have a ready-made manuscript to publish. Okay, and great. Um, and I love to write. I love to write. Uh, you know, I, I love to write. And that that in and of itself, Mary, is a testimony to the Lord because um, in high school and in my in, in my in the back of my book, Compelled to Share the Gospel, I give my testimony, and one of the things I mentioned there is that um, prior to knowing the Lord in high school, uh, I read one book in high school. <laughs> Throughout my whole high school, from I, I read one book, and that, the book I read was in my senior year, and I was kind of put in a fix where I had to give a book report, and uh, prior to that, I'd, I'd look at the cover, I'd look at the back, I'd, find, I'd look for a little maybe representative quote inside the book I was reporting on, and then I'd write it, but this time I really had to read a book. And so I went to the library, and I was searching around for a colorful book, and the book that came to me that was colorful and thin uh, was Beowulf the Warrior. That was my first, that was the book I read in high school. And so, uh, you know, I was was not a great student in high school. Um, I hated, I was like allergic to reading, allergic Mm. to study, and... um, but now look at me now. Now the Lord has just totally changed my life, and now I'm writing books. It's mm-hmm. really it's a testament to His work in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get to, I want to talk a little bit about your testimony um, because I, I watched it yesterday, and I, I really was totally blessed by it. But I want to ask you quickly what what is the chaplaincy task force of of New York? What what exactly uh, would you do there? Well, it's uh, at the chaplain's the New York State Chaplaincy Task Force is a uh, it's an organization, and I have to say right up front a little uh, qualification here. I don't agree with everything that the that the chaplaincy task force teaches or holds to, but what it basically is, it's a course that you take as a minister that uh, gives you will give you access in times of crisis uh, to to minister. Like if there was ever another. 9/11 or some some crisis like that you need to, you need credentials in order to get access to minister to people in the ground zeros of those mm. of those difficult situations and so that's uh, you know and it also gives you training in hospital visitation 
and um, and just just different types of things. But you know, they gave you a, a fancy looking badge and an ID number. <laughs> but uh, really, even without that, the Lord is able to open doors. Mm-hmm. So it's just um, you know, it's it's a it's another uh, area of service. Right. Right, and a way to be equipped just in case. Yeah, we live. Yeah, you know, we live in such perilous times. And and we were talking about a testimony of a minute ago. You have a section in the book about the power of a personal testimony, and I I really do love to hear stories about how people came to faith because there is so much power there. God becomes personal and reaches down to the mm-hmm. sinner. He offers that relationship that cuts through uh, traditions of men and it cuts through time and eternity. Um, you know, I was I was struck as I listened to your testimony. Uh, I was struck by the changes that you saw in a family member that helped you start to to understand and seek a God who works in ways that we don't always see coming in our lives. Tell us a bit about um, Pastor Claude, your home life, uh, and how your sister was faithful to reach out to you about Jesus. Were you uh, a close knit family? Um, it was just it was my father, my mother, my sister, and myself. And also um, my my uh, my mother's mother, who really raised mm. us. But I, I, ra- I was raised in a uh, I grew up in a in a household. My mother was mentally ill. Um, she was di- She I don't you know she was she was mentally ill. And I don't re- ever remember having a a rational conversation with my mother. Um, it was and she was very uh, she could get violent in times, and she she and my father would would fight very frequently, like constantly and um my father was always very restrained he he always you know he never struck back at my mother he took a lot from my mother and it just made for um uh, an upbringing that was really uh, a lot of turmoil a lot of chaos a lot of a lot of upheaval in our home and so my sister and i really we we kind of uh sought uh you know ways to medicate our, our pain and our suffering and to get involved and to stay outside of outside of home mm. and uh, that was not all we didn't always seek it seek that comfort in the most healthy ways so um you know but then what happened mary was when i was a senior and i graduated high school i i just i just wanted to get away i wanted to get out of the house and uh i went to a college fair and uh discovered this school and my my motivation for going was that this particular school was that they had the most bars per mile, you know, it was a party school. So, um, I went away to that school the first semester. I kind of wanted to prove myself. I did well. I made the Dean's list, but after that I was more interested in, uh, playing pinochle and hearts and drinking beer and, you know, just stay, you know, partying and things, you know, things that a lot of college students, unfortunately indulge in. And, um, but what happened was now before I left, my sister was also getting involved in, in, uh, you know, smoking, smoking marijuana and and all kinds of stuff. And, um, she was also getting involved in the occult. Uh, I remember one time my, my sister told me that, uh, if on a full moon, you go outside and recite the, the, uh, our father backwards, that if you turn around, a witch will scratch your eyes out, right? So, you know, I don't, I don't, now I don't really put any worth in that, but you know, mm-hmm. she did it to just, uh, to me, it was shocking the, the way my sister was going. She was really going in the wrong direction, 
But, you know, I didn't care. I just wanted to get away. So what happened was I came back from school uh, in between semesters to find my sister was totally changed. I mean, just her countenance, her whole look, everything about her was totally changed. Her attitude towards mm-hmm. me, you know how brothers and sisters are, mm-hmm. how they, they like to fight, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, constantly, I was constantly teasing and causing her to problems. I was grief to her, believe me. But um, I came home and her, her, she was totally changed. I couldn't deny it. And so I asked her at one point, I said, Susie, what's going on here? What's, what's going on with your life? You're, you're totally different. What's happened to you? And she just looked at me and she said, Claudie, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, mm. and you should too. <laughs> right? Mm. And that was the beginning of, uh, you know, probably it took about a year, maybe a little bit more than a year, but her persistent, you know, she did not um, beat me over the head with the Bible. Her, her testimony to me was more in the actual change in her life. Um, I saw Christ in her life. Now, I, I always considered myself a, you know, a religious person. I was confirmed in the Methodist Church. I figured I was good to go, but I, when, I met, when I saw what happened in my sister, which she, I did not have what she had. It was mm. just she was, she was changed and transformed. It was the difference between life and death. I was dead. She was alive. Wow. And, um, and then, you know, one thing led to another, and, uh, and finally I came to the Lord. I, 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 when I went back to school, I kind of put it off a little bit. And uh, then, as you know in my testimony, um, the Lord has a way of getting your attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, uh, one Tuesday night, I went to a happy hour. I got, as they say, drunk as a skunk. And I, my buddies, when we, were leaving the, when we were leaving the bar, one of my buddies, who was kind of like a, a competitor of mine, was uh, dared me to pull a fire alarm. And, uh, you know, I kind of looked around and was, what am I, am I going to step up and, and do this or not? And uh, I stupidly pulled the fire alarm, and one thing led to another. And, um, you know, I was arrested. I, I was thrown in jail in the county, in the county jail for, uh, forget what the full sentence was, but for disorderly conduct. And, um, you know, that, that was a shock. That got my attention. And then from that point on, you know, it was, it was soon after that, I think a few months when I came back, that I really just gave my heart to the Lord. Mm. And um, the way that happened was, my, finally, my, I thought to myself when I, with my sister, I said, you know what, this must be a cult. She <laughs> must be involved with, with some kind of a cult. And I'm going to go down there. And, uh, you know, I was always a kind of an athletic guy, kind of a big guy. And I figured I'm going to put the fear of God in these people get him to leave my sister alone. And um, I went down to this coffee house, and first of all, the guys that were there were all bigger than me. And um, and I was down there, so that kind of, I kind of had to set aside that strategy that I had. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> and uh, and I, I listened. I don't particularly remember the devotional or the things that were said. I know that the music, they were worshiping Jesus in a way I had never encountered before. I mean, it was mu- wonderful music and worship. And then at the end of the night, 
the guy that was leading the, the coffee house came up to me and said, can we, can we pray for you? And I said, sure, go ahead. And they all got in a circle. We put our arms around each other, like on our shoulders, and they prayed. I don't remember the prayer, but what I do remember is that when I, uh, when I opened my eyes from praying, it was like the room was like, it was like, it was a surreal kind of feeling. I felt like the room was like cloudy almost. Wow. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not into, you know, these kind of weird experiences, but that, I, I knew something was different there. Mm-hmm. Something was, something was different. And uh, I didn't accept the, the Lord right there either. But what happened was normally going back to school, I would drive and I would get a bunch of my college buddies and we'd all get together and we'd share the expenses and we'd party all the way up. And uh, one by one, this particular time, they all canceled so that I had to make this trip from Long Island to to uh, up around Buffalo uh, in the middle of winter. It was in January mm. of 1977, one of the worst uh, storm seasons that, uh, uh, in terms of snow on record. And um, the whole way I was arguing with the Lord. You know, and every every excuse I came up with, he had an answer for it. And um, by the time a, a, a normally eight to ten hour drive was a was a fourteen to fifteen hour ride a wow. drive to go up to school. And uh, I finally got up there. I was the first one on campus in from my in my dorm. I went up to my room. I, I plopped my my luggage down on the floor. I, I laid down in my bed, and I just. I, I gave. I surrendered my heart to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I said, "Lord, I, I, you know, I believe mm-hmm. that you died for my sins. You know, I give my heart to you. You know, please save me. You know, those words, and I haven't been the same since. Wow, wow. you know, I haven't yeah. been the same since. It's just a wonderful, transforming work. I knew I, I knew I was a sinner, and I knew I had to leave my sin behind." I knew I needed to be forgiven for my sin, mm-hmm. and I asked the Lord's forgiveness. I wasn't depending on my good works or my efforts or a confirmation in a, in a, in a denomination. I knew that I had to trust in Jesus, who died for me to pay the penalty for my sin. I knew all of these things, and but the words that came out were just, Lord, I give my, I give my life to you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, those simple words, yeah. the words of your heart, is what uh, the Lord is looking for. A lot of times I think the reason we don't share the gospel with people is we get all caught up in, you know, different different uh, techniques, you know, the ABCs of salvation, the four spiritual laws. Um, there's so many different ways of sharing the gospel, and we, we think we have to get people to say a certain thing, or, mm-hmm. or you know, and the, what the truth is is that you have to surrender your heart. Yeah to the Lord. You have to ask him, ask his forgiveness, receive that forgiveness, and just surrender to him. And then as you study the word, you begin to grow in your faith and understand what it means to walk with Jesus. Yeah. You know, oh, what a great so, testimony. Well, that's, yeah, what that's a... my testimony in a nutshell. I mean, I could, you know, there's a lot more to it. You know, I, I had one of, the re- one of the ways, Mary, that I knew that God had changed my life was prior to knowing the Lord, I had a filthy mouth. Um, <laughs> Every every sentence was punctuated with a four-letter curse word of profanity. I actually, um, the first year I went back to back to school for my homecoming uh, game, uh, I almost caused a riot 
because my mouth was so filthy and I was screaming and yelling profanities that, it, you know, it, it became unsettling to the spectators and they they, they kicked me out. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's that's who I was, you know, and, and Jesus speaks about how out of the heart the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I can't emphasize more how filthy my mouth was. It's embarrassing to remember it. Mm. But when I was saved, when the, when I gave my heart to the Lord like that, um, instantaneously, the cursing stopped. Mm. And it was, to me, it was like noticeable. And I think the Lord did that in my life to show me the reality, the genuineness of what had happened. He really had changed me. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away. Everything becomes new. Yeah. That was his way of confirming uh, through actual life change that um, my salvation was genuine. Mm. Wow. Yeah, what a great testimony. And praise God for those faithful people who who stepped out of maybe out of their comfort zone to share Jesus with us. And um, it's just it's just a wonderful thing to think back and to thank God for them. You know, I think, Claude, when, Pastor Claude, when we got saved, uh, it was part of a larger context, you know, within the Jesus movement. Um, and it, it just swept the generation, it introduced verse-by-verse teaching, prophecy, um, praise music, simple praise music. Um, you know, and I think millions got saved through that throughout the years and beyond. But the interesting thing to me is, for the most part, young people tend not to dwell so much on eternal matters. They have their whole life, you know, expanse uh, ahead of them, stretched out ahead of them. But when we were young, we were asking some pretty big questions. You know, what should I do with my life? Should I get married? Should I go to college? Should I, you know, who is God? How, you know, can I know him? And it seemed so simple, so spirit led. And like you said, sometimes we can make it so complicated. And here's the interesting thing for me. Studies have shown for a very long time now that most Christians make a decision for Christ while they're in their teens, um, Mm. mid to late teens, early 20s. I was 22 before they actually even have a chance to, you would think, get to the end of themselves. And so, you know, I think sometimes I, you know, I agree with you. We can overcomplicate our witness. But how we live in such a different generation, you know, ours was one thing, but what about getting the attention of the youth these days without making it complicated because of social media? Their lives are so very different. I don't think we'll win a generation, quote unquote, as some say, because it's still one heart at a time. But as a pastor, do you have any thoughts about how best to get the attention of young people? Because it is true, they do uh, open up their hearts to spiritual things. They start seeking at a pretty young age. What do you think? Well, what I think is that uh, I think that this generation, I think every generation asks the tough questions, you know, about the reality of God, about meaning in life. And there, and, and I think that maybe just the, the, um, the way they process those things, like, like this present generation, I think is very much concerned with uh, social justice mm. and uh, equality and, uh, you know, uh, oppression and uh, all of those types of uh, things, and the unfor- what, what's unfortunate is that you have um, people with a worldview that's maybe socialistic or communistic uh, have stepped in and have veiled mm. their worldview and painted it a certain way, you know, social justice, racial, racial equality, all of these types of things, and they've kind of They've kind of wet, they've kind of pried their way into this young generation's 
life uh, and has has warped them, right? So mm-hmm. that they see they have been fed, especially in college and in school and our educational system, they've been fed a certain uh, amount of thing and a certain a certain number of assumptions. And what's lacking really is uh, the truth of Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. And, and as you mentioned, uh, unfortunately, in our day. Uh, teaching verse by verse, book by book, chapter by chapter through the Bible, and and having the Bible as the sole authority uh, in life um, is not a given in today's churches. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the church uh, is often looks at the world to get their marching orders, and then kind of tries to you know uh, you know hang like a like hang some hang some verses on it to kind of justify it. Mm-hmm. And um, and as a result, the church is following when it should be leading. Mm. And um, I think that's um, you know that's the problem. And then you have other people and like like this is this is the way I feel, Mary. I feel Jesus said we're to be salt and light, right? Uh, I believe we should infiltrate this world and influence it for the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. In in every aspect, including political. And there should not be there should not be any area of life, of culture, of society that is out of bounds for us. But we should be infiltrating and influencing. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, too many people are isolating and hibernating. Mm-hmm. Right? They, mm-hmm. they 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 block off and they res- they 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 resist or or you know aren't involved. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and as a result, you know, a lot of a lot of Christians, you know, um, are against political involvement. But, you know, the consequence of that is, I mean, the church is to to a big extent culpable for the condition of our country. And much of the problem has been Christians who aren't involved, you know, who aren't um aren't being salt and light, aren't infiltrating and influencing. Because a lot of times you, you earn the right to share the gospel by being involved in people's lives, sure. being involved in these different circumstances, and then you're there, and then when people are questioning, when people are seeking and searching, you're there to share the gospel mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think that I think that's important. Yes, yes. Be out there so people can come to know you. And, and like you saw in your sister, maybe they'll say, wow, this person is different. Um, exactly. You know, they'll see Jesus in us. And we also have a silent exactly. witness, you know, that our lives line up with the scriptures and what we believe. I was thinking, um, uh, 1st Timothy 4.16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Mm-hmm. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Amen. That's a great verse. And then walk circumspectly, uh, Ephesians yes. 5.15. And don't blow mm-hmm. your witness because, um, you know, if you come to know the Lord and you tell your family that you're a believer now and then your life doesn't line up, like say say you're living together as a couple or something like that, um, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to stumble anyone, but you also want to make sure that when you profess that you are uh, following Jesus now, that your life lines up with that. And, and that's just. But, oh, I would just I would just add to that, Mary, that if you do mess up as a Christian, uh, don't uh, become defensive and deny the truth. Hmm. 
Mm. I think one mm. of the other things that um, the church is being called to account for is its hypocrisy and its dishonesty. Yeah. And I think the mm. better way to handle our um, our shortcomings as Christians is to face them honestly. And uh, if someone brings them to our attention, if if it's if it's true what they're saying, admit that apologize, you know, and, and what I usually tell people, and you know, hey, I'm a pastor, but I'm not perfect. Um, I, I tell people, you know, uh, you're right. Uh, I, I made a mistake. I, I fell. I should not have a Christian. I did mm-hmm. something a Christian shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. But let me, t- let me explain something to you. You might think that that's a reason to not be a Christian. Let me tell you why it's a reason that I ought to be a Christian, because... Yes, we are. Welcome to... <laughs> We're standing for the truth. I'm sorry, I got a little tongue-tied there. We're talking to Pastor Claude Stoffer, uh, uh, Stoffer, a Calvary Chapel of Hope in Amityville, New York. Uh, we have been talking about uh, Pastor Claude's testimony and about just we're starting to talk about witnessing his book, Compelled to Share the Gospel, why uh, you should share the gospel and how to do it. So we're going to talk when we come back about difficult times and suffering and, and uh, what drives us and also uh, a little bit more about the things that are hindrances to witnessing. So, uh, Pastor Claude Stauffer, Calvary Chapel of Hope, uh, stay with us for the next two minutes. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our Truth at Any Cost mission strong. StandUpForTheTruth.com Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. For this Tuesday, we are speaking with Pastor Claude Stauffer of um, Calvary Chapel of Hope in Amityville, New York. Pastor Claude, what, would you continue what we were saying? I was very caught up sure. in what you were saying and then, and then, uh, my brain arc. So can you, uh, help us with what you were talking about? Sure. Okay. So here's, here's my point. And I think that, um, one of, one of the reasons why a lot of people don't share the gospel is they, their reasoning is, well, if I share the gospel and people know I'm a Christian, then when I inevitably fall, mm-hmm. It's going to defame Christ or, or shame Christ in some way. Or they, they look at their shortcomings as, um, you know, as, as impediments to sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, I can, there's a way to, to just turn that around and use your, your shortcomings and your, 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 your failings can be a blessing if you're just honest about them. And what I usually, when I, when I mess up, and, and I'm not just talking about with unbelievers, but you know, with, with with family, with other Christians, so on and so forth, um, I, I usually tell them, you know, you're right. I, I you have to be honest, and you have to admit when you're wrong, when you've sinned, when you've fallen. You have to do that. You have to be honest, because especially nowadays with this young generation that we were talking about, they they can spot hypocrisy yeah. and deception and falsehood, and you know, just dishonesty. They they spot it, and then you're then you've lost your You've lost your your footing to share, but I usually say, you know, you're right. I've I, I've done something I shouldn't have done as a Christian, and you might think that that's reason to to discount being I'm a Christian. But let me tell you something: while I am not all that I should be as a Christian, I'm far more than I would have ever become without mm-hmm. being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and being a Christian, even though I'm not perfect yet, I'm a work in progress. Because of Jesus, I'm so much more than I, I would have ever been without Him. Yeah, yeah. You see, and and that see that's that's closer, I think, to the reality of what it means to be a Christian. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, I think we need to be honest. I think we need to speak truth in love. And I think uh, when we're honest, we're real. And people, people are, if they're searching for something, they're searching for people who are real. Yeah. You know, not, not this, uh, facade, not the, um, the smoke and the mirrors and all of the, all of the pretentiousness and all of, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're looking for real people, people who are honest, people who they can count on, people who are going to speak the truth in love to them. Yeah. You yeah. know, even, even if we disagree, yeah. you know. What, and what a great opportunity to point them to the one who is perfect. It's, it actually That's, is a, a perfect absolutely. witnessing tool because, I mean, the bottom line is everyone dies, everyone lives forever. Uh, life yes. is vain. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we can mm-hmm. point, uh, that out to them in the scripture. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. perfect, but you know, it's all about what Jesus did for us, but we could not do for ourselves. So, um, I love that you brought that out. And, uh, yeah, let us, let them see that we're just human and, and hopefully it'll drive them to, to the one who is perfect. Uh, and speaking of yeah. driving, you have a chapter here. What drives you? What are you willing to endure? Mm-hmm. And I love this because, uh, like you say, we, we, we endure great trials in life at some point. You live long enough, you'll suffer injustice, prejudice, persecution, tragedies, loss, disappointment. You know, we bear up on these things, but, but I think those things tend to, uh, cause us to think about ourselves. We are, we focus on ourselves when we're sick or whatever. But you talk about the trials that, that focus, that point us uh, to sharing the gospel with people. You know, Paul reminds me of law enforcement. They run towards, the difficulty that you yeah. run toward the danger. Well, Paul ran yeah. toward the opportunity, especially when it came to his Jewish brethren. Um, and so, you know, when we do suffer, uh, life is just so different uh, since 2020. We are going to have more hostility, uh, Pastor, I think, towards our, ourselves. And because of traditional marriage and gender, uh, the narrow yeah. way, I think, uh, look at all the hostility towards the Jews since since October, like somebody flipped a switch. Yeah. Now, do you think, someone mentioned this to me on Sunday, and I've been thinking this, somebody's going to connect the dots in the middle of all these protests and go, wait a minute, those people also believe in this, the Christians. Do you think yeah. that this could be a catalyst to turn people suddenly against Christianity? Uh, I definitely I definitely believe that that's the case. I believe I believe we should be preparing for that. Mm-hmm. And, it's so, and because of that, I think we ought to be really... Every Christian should be getting their spiritual house in order mm. with the Lord and getting their priorities straight. Amen. Um, you know, and putting putting first things first because um, you know you you see all of the um, opposition to uh, Israel, even though the events of October seventh were horrific. Um, it didn't take long before uh, you know representatives like um, Talib uh, in. Uh, in uh, in our government, uh, we're presenting the the other side, so-called mm-hmm. other side of Hamas and the Palestinians, and how Israel is the oppressor, and you know, just really painting with with great vitriol, you know, um, the uh, you know anti-Semitism is mm-hmm. basically what it is. You know, people are uh, we're seeing this, and um, actually, um, you know. It's it's not going to be long before those who support Israel are going to be targeted mm-hmm. along with Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just you can see it happening, and we should expect that. And so we need to make a decision now, while we still do have some freedom right. to share the gospel. Um, we really need to be 
you know, we need to be settled on this. What's our priority? Are we, what are we willing, you know, what are we willing to endure? Right. You know, when we look at, when we look at the Apostle Paul and you look at the last chapters of um, the book of Acts and all that he went through, I mean, if you look at Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 10, the beginning of those two chapters, Paul goes so far as to say he'd be willing to be accursed himself for the sake of mm. reaching his brethren, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, that's that's for someone that wrote 14 of the 27 New Testament books and, right. and knew what salvation was and knew what damnation was. Um, to say that is really an incredible statement on his part. And, you know, Paul prayed to re- prayed for an audience with his brethren, the Jews, and he got it, and he shared the gospel, and what happened? A riot. Mm. And not just a riot, but they want literally wanted to tear him apart. Mm. And then he was then he was uh, you know saved by some Romans, and then but they wanted to to uh, to uh, whip him. You know they wanted to to uh, uh, get the truth out of him, and he appeals to Caesar. And then through another set of circumstances, he's able to have an audience before two governors, a king, uh, and and all of the you know the elite. In that in that area of uh, of Jerusalem, and uh, he shares, and uh, they they come to the conclusion this man could have been released if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. But then he's sent to Rome to Rome by ship, and what is he? What happens when he's on the ship? It shipwrecks, mm-hmm. and then he's he survives uh, the shipwreck, and he's on the island of Malta. And what happens when he's warming himself by the fire? He's bitten by a snake, you know, now, you know, I mean, so all these things happen while being led by the Spirit, mm. right? So mm. so it, it begs the question, what are you willing to, to sacrifice, to put up with, in order to reach the lost? And I oh. think reaching the lost has to be our priority, yeah. you know? It's Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, right? The Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, you mm-hmm. know, and, and uh, if we're going to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus, then that should be our priority as well. Yeah. Well, that's what a great question. What are we willing to endure? We're, we're a little soft as Americans, and I guess that makes me a little nervous, but I'm, I'm thinking of First Peter 4. There's some great verses here. Um, uh, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Because the spirit right. of glory and of God rests upon you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a meddler. But yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? That's a very sobering passage oh, yeah. there. Um, and in Corinthians, um, there's a cost to witnessing. And... Um, I think we know that, you know, uh, intellectually, um, but do we really know that experientially? At First Corinthians, Paul talks about becoming all things to all men. Pastor Claude, I want to ask you, what does that mean um, when it comes to sharing the gospel? I've never quite understood what it means to be all things to all men. Well, let me start by saying what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean I have to become an alcoholic to witness to alcoholics. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I have to become a prostitute to witness to prostitutes. It doesn't mean I have to become a, a, a drug addict to, to, to share the gospel with drug addicts. I think more accurately what Paul is talking about there is um, to be sensitive and aware of people 
and where they're coming from so that you can so that you can at least um, relate to them mm-hmm. in a in a way that that they understand and will appreciate right so i you know he i don't believe you know paul is at all they're endorsing different different kinds of sin i think one of the problems with christians is you know they they justify their sin and 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 that's god has called us to holiness be holy for i the lord your god am holy right so and being holy is being spirit filled being spirit filled is being loving and you know one of the problems we have as christians is our definition of love we've allowed the world to de- redefine love as you know love is love which mean which is basically a a phrase used to endorse any kind of moral lifestyle but when we look at scripture for instance in John chapter 14 verse 15 and verse 21 Jesus very clearly associates or defines love with obedience mm-hmm. he says if you love mm-hmm. me obey me all right so true love agape love god's love has to have by by nature has to have obedience right and we mm-hmm. speak the truth of his word in love so we we do these things obediently as as the true expressions of our of our love of our love so you know that's that's you know I want to just I want to backtrack a bit Mary you mentioned first Peter chapter 4 verse 1 and at the uh, chapter 4 and I'm I want to mention verse 1 at the at the end of that first verse of that great chapter which talks about how there are times when it is God's will for us to suffer um, Peter introduces that chapter by saying, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Hmm. Right? Now, that's that's an interesting statement there, and I think it's important for us to grasp that, because, you know, if, if you are a Christian and you think that you are going to be able to escape persecution, uh, that's you're not going to be able to escape persecution. Mm-hmm. Right. But what persecution will do it will help you to get your priorities in order. He who has ceased, who has suffered in the flesh, has ceased from sin, is not is not a statement that uh, somehow suffering has a redemptive quality to it, mm-hmm. as though we can add to the sacrifice of Christ. That's not the point. The point there is is when we suffer in our flesh, when we suffer in this world, um, it helps us to to see the things that are truly, eternally significant mm. and important, right? Mm-hmm. When I've used that verse to minister to people who have a terminal illness, and I've, I've shared that with them, and they're, they're able to, the light goes on for them because they see, now that they're dying, all those little peripheral, superficial things that they had been obsessed with mm. or maybe preoccupied with are meaningless in light of eternity, you see, and that's really where we have to we have to live there as Christians. Yeah. We have to live in light of eternity. Absolutely, right? Yeah. There's a um, one of one of my favorite uh, little little uh, sayings is uh, from uh, a missionary named C. T. Studd, and uh, he was a great missionary to India, and um, he said, "This one life will soon be passed." Only what's done for Christ will last. Mm. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. 
right? Yeah. I, I try to. That's what I try to live by, uh, yeah. Mary. That's yeah. you know, I, I want I want to burn out for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Know? And the older we get, I think with that wisdom comes teach me. You know, teach us to number our days. Um, that we yes, may have a heart absolutely. of wisdom because I think we do. You yes. get older and you start to think, you know what, I'm getting up there and I really don't know how much time I have left. And you think of it a yes. lot more earnestly from day to day. Yes. And I think God wants us to live day to day and that helps us just to relax and do what's in front of us. And I think that is... You know, it's it's kind of it's like being a... Are, are you a grandparent at all, yes. Mary? Uh-huh. Okay, so you're a grandparent, right? So you know, that you what I've learned from being a grandparent is I look at kids and I look at I look at their behavior and I I try to I contrast or compare with when I was a parent who had kids. Now I have grandkids. Mm-hmm. With, with having gone through the process of raising three children and developed through that and grown through that, now as a grandparent I have wisdom to know what is important, what is not so important. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's the same thing that uh, that um, that's what trials and difficulties teach us. They yeah. teach us what is important, what's not so important. Boy, that's that is right? that and is true. And at the top of that list is salvation. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And a hundred years from now, um, you know, all that's going to matter is who is with us in heaven. That's all that's going to matter. Everything else falls away. And I wanted to ask you, in the time we have left. Um, I think a lot of people are intimidated by witnessing and you know, there's fear of witnessing, there's fear of rejection. A lot of us have already paid that price by being rejected by family members and friends over the years. And you ask the question, why aren't Christians witnessing? And uh, the answer that you give is fear of man. And of course it mm-hmm. brings a, a snare, but part of it also is too uh, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Spirit to witness when yeah. you need it, not worrying ahead of time of what you will say. Mm-hmm. How, what does that look like? How how uh, how can we uh, appropriate that power? Uh, it sounds like an obvious question and answer, but but if it's true that they're not witnessing or they feel incapable, how do we do this by the Holy Spirit? We don't you know we don't ram down the door um, and just force force things, but we have there's a gentle way to go about talking to people and asking questions and. What's the best way to just be led of the Spirit when you're witnessing? To be led of the Spirit. I mean, you know, um, you, share, you share your faith, and you, it's like anything else. When you, when you go into a home or you go into some place, you try the door. Is the door locked <laughs> or is the door open? If it's open, you walk through and you proceed. If it's locked, go to the next door. Mm-hmm. And I think our problem sometimes is uh, we try to argue people into heaven. Mm. Right. We try to we try to, um, you know, people can be argued into heaven. They can also be argued out of heaven. <laughs> well, so, I mean, apologetics has its place. I, I, I love apologetics. Mm-hmm. I emphasize it. I mean, it's part of my ministry. But what I've seen is that, you know, salvation is in the heart, not just the head. Mm-hmm. And I think apologetics sometimes is too head oriented and not heart oriented enough. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and um but as far as following the the Holy Spirit, you you have to have a current walk with the Lord. You have to be you have to pray. You have to be in the Word. You have to be mindful and thinking, and having that ongoing conversation with the Holy Spirit. You know, if you have a like like in a few couple of weeks, we're all going to be sitting around Thanksgiving tables with the turkey and the fixings and all and all and all of that, and probably we're going to have unsaved loved ones there. Mm-hmm. Well. Why not be praying about that 
for the Lord to open up a door of opportunity to share. Maybe if someone, if you're in a, and if you're in a family and no one knows the Lord, maybe you should volunteer to say a Thanksgiving prayer, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's, there's so many, uh, there's so many, there's so many things that the Lord, uh, can do with people mm-hmm. and, and the, the the top priority is let the love of christ compel you yes. right that that's really the message of the book that i've i've written is you know let the love of christ compel you he gave his life we should give our life mm-hmm. and let the love of christ compel you so so you know your your objective in sharing the gospel is not merely to win an argument or to to you know it's it's to love someone mm-hmm. with the greatest love, which is the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. The greatest expression of God's love is the gospel of Jesus Christ that He came to Earth, He died on the cross for our sins, He paid our debt of death, and and uh, rose from the dead, showing that it was ex- an acceptable um, sacrifice to to uh, for our justification and. You know, that is that is what love is all about, sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice? A little bit of embarrassment, a little bit of shame, a little bit of rejection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And even, you know, Mary, even when we're rejected, it doesn't mean that the seed that we planted is going to be unfruitful. Right. Like in my own personal testimony, the things that, that my sister was saying to me, they didn't bear fruit immediately. Just like if you go outside today and plant some seeds in the ground, it's going to be a while before they sprout. Yeah. Same thing with the gospel. Sometimes that seed is there for a while before it sprouts. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm really glad you brought up the holidays because I think sometimes the general um, thing that people are saying is, I don't want to go spend the holidays with my family. All we're going to do is argue. I dread it. Um, they know me too well or something like that, and they feel like they won't um, really be able to uh, understand or have their family understand where they're at. And I love how you say, well, you can start praying now uh, because you never know what God's going to use when it comes to your family. It might it might be something that you don't expect. I know family dynamics can be very difficult, but I love how you're saying this because I think it gives people an opportunity to look at the holidays a little bit differently um, and even though your our family knows us, right? Sometimes they know us so well, but God is bigger than all that. And so I, I do want to encourage people to spend time with family uh, and Thanksgiving. And like, yeah, we have to go ahead. We have to trust the Lord. What does the Lord want to do? And you know what? Right. We're not the only one. We're not the only ones ministering to that family. You don't. You don't know what's go. What how the Spirit is is working. And and I, I'd like to say one other thing, Mary. You know, God doesn't call us to be successful in a sense that every time we share the gospel, someone falls on their face Mm -hmm. in repentance and accepts Jesus as their Savior. That would be wonderful. But what God calls us to is not success, it's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. To be faithful. That's when you're faithful, that's success in the, in the Lord's eyes, right? Because salvation, right? Neither the one who plants is anything, nor the Mm -hmm. one who waters. But God brings the increase. Mm-hmm. So if salvation is the increase done performed by the Lord, we just we are his instruments. Mm-hmm. We just have to be, you know, a sharp tool yeah. in the Lord's hands. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And just be available. 
um, for whatever, you know, because the church kind of lost sight of who they were during COVID. You know, we closed down. We don't do this. We don't do that. Well, what's the church here for? I mean, I was shocked by that, that churches were closed yeah. at that particular time. Yeah. Um, you know, we only have three minutes left, uh, Pastor Claude, and I want to give you the chance to, to say or talk about something that maybe we missed or if you want to just continue on with what I was just saying. Um, what would you like to leave us with today? Well, I would like to leave the listener with this. Uh, don't be afraid to not be able to answer every question someone mm. asks you. Mm-hmm. Because there's always going to be someone who asks a question or asks a particular question in a different way, and you and you don't have an answer right then and there. When, when I was first uh, a Christian and I began to share the gospel, I thought I knew everything. But I, I found very quick, I didn't, there was a lot I didn't know. Mm. So I kind of, you know, how the, how it says in Romans chapter 12, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, mm-hmm. right? Don't let the, the evil of someone stumping you prevent you from mm. witnessing. Rather, use it for good in the sense that, okay, I'm making a commitment to the Lord to not be stumped by the same question more than once. Mm. <laughs> so if someone asks me something, or if, so, or if something comes up in, a, in a, a witnessing conversation that I'm, I don't feel comfortable with, then when I'm done with this conversation, I'm going to put that at the top of my list. I'm going to go study up. I'm going to go and be ready and think about how I will, how I would respond in the future if that same question comes up. And if you do that, you will grow in your faith, huh. right? And you'll you'll learn to hit the target with people, right? That's a great, well, that's great point. Yeah, that's a great point because even if you're a young believer and you know that you've been saved and you're going to heaven, you can witness to people. You don't have to know everything. And I think young believers, they have a lot of zeal. They may not always have the right um, pattern that they follow when they share, but that doesn't mean they should ever, ever be discouraged about that. And also I would suggest uh, believers uh, learn the basics of prophecy because there's so much going on in the world today and it's a great way to uh, bring through the Bible. Did you know the Bible says this in there about Israel? Did you know the Bible says that about uh, what's to come? And sometimes that can be a great open door, but the church, Absolutely. you know, the church doesn't always. Seven percent of the Bible is prophecy. That's right. Actually, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to push another book, uh, Mary. <laughs> but you know, when October seventh happened, uh, I really felt as though I wanted to express myself. The way I process things is through writing. So I wrote a, I put another book together. It's called Israel War, Our Wake-Up Call. Mm, okay. And it's all about the, the, what the Bible says about Israel, what this war is all about. And, and it's a wake-up call to us as Christians, but also as a nation to, to, to get right with the Lord. Mm, you know, wow. and to process these uh, prophetic things and how prophecy is so important. And, and in this time, when prophecy is being fulfilled so so much. Uh, what a great uh, segue into witnessing and sharing yes. the gospel. Thank you, Pastor Claude. We are out of time. Um, we're so grateful for all your wisdom and insights. Com- uh, compelled to share the gospel by uh, Pastor Claude and also CalvaryChapelofHope.org. And we are so grateful for, like I said, his wisdom and insights, his experience as a pastor. Uh, tomorrow, Juan Valdez is a replay. Thursday, Jay Siegert. Friday, Don Vino, Midwest Christian Outreach. So we have a full week. I'm so glad you joined me today. Stay with us the rest of the week. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Have a great day on purpose.